to the HMP Governance Lab podcast. My name is Holly Jarman. I'm a faculty member in the Department of Health Management and Policy at the University of Michigan. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about some policy career options. So what can you do with your master's degree or your PhD in health management and policy? And where can you go from here? What are the things that you should be thinking about as you move into a policy career? And this podcast today goes with a set of slides that you can find in the episode notes on the HMP Governance Lab website. So you've decided that you want a career in health policy and that the problem with saying that is that there are so many different possible careers in health policy. And so I'm going to talk to you today about some of the things you might need to know. We're going to talk about what are some beneficial skills for different health policy um, jobs? Because I think because the policy market is so flexible and in some ways ad hoc um, and the opportunities don't necessarily come up on a routine basis, taking a skills based approach, I think, is better than thinking about okay, I'm going to definitely do this kind of very specific job. You might be surprised at some of the opportunities that are out there. So we're going to talk about skills. We're going to talk about some common health policy roles. So what are the types of jobs that some of our graduates of the program have taken on? And what do those jobs entail? We're going to talk a little bit about the next steps as you move through our program. So what should you be thinking about and how should you be approaching developing those beneficial skills in order to land uh, uh, the job of your dreams, hopefully. And um, uh, then I'll point you to back to the slides where there are some useful resources for thinking about policy careers. We are lucky to have a great career center uh, in the, the School of Public Health at the University of Michigan. So we will be directing you there. Okay. So first of all, what do I mean when I'm talking about beneficial skills? Well, to make it super simple for us, I have divided these into three categories. You need analytical skills, political skills, and professional skills. Now, first of all, what do I mean by analytical skills? So it's not enough to be personable in this kind of role. A lot of the time you are going to have to make critical judgments about policies, about data. And so any kinds of skills that you can build up that help you to analyze data and make judgments about relationships and patterns are going to serve you well. And so sometimes I talk about these with my advisees and I say, okay, you need crunchy skills. And what I mean by that is you don't just need soft skills, which are very important, um, things like good communication, good professional presentation and so on. You need some, some crunchy analytical skills where you can take a look at some data and you can come to conclusions based on that data. That is fine. And to break that down further with just a couple of examples, these might be quantitative. So you might want to be able to collate data, present compelling descriptive data, conduct policy analysis using statistics. Maybe you are really into economic methods, which is very popular in policy. Um, or maybe you are taking more of an engineering decision sciences route and you want to model different systems. So any of these kinds of skills can 
be helpful for you. I think though too, it's important to point out that you have to apply these skills in context. So understand government budgets, understand business models. Those skills are also very important for you uh, as in an analytical role in terms of a policy career. Qualitative skills though. So I'm going to pause for a moment and say I am so biased because I'm a qualitative researcher and I think that more and more I'm seeing students needing to tap into qualitative skills. What do I mean by that? Well, qualitative research skills are really focused around understanding relationships, understanding fuzzier data. So can you conduct an individual or a group interview like a focus group? Um, can you organize a set of interviews and maybe design a project around that? Can you maybe make observations through site visits? Can you conduct a literature review? Uh, can you analyze this qualitative data in a systematic way? So a number of these skills are really important for evaluative type positions. So maybe you work for a think tank in a research institution or outside of academia, but still in a research position um, or some other evaluative role where you actually have to go talk to people and figure out the system and figure out what works and these communication skills these qualitative analysis skills will come in handy and so you need to figure out how to use your methodological toolbox your analytical toolbox and bring together the appropriate quantitative and qualitative skills in a research design so we're on to number two now which is the political skills so here I'm really referring to your ability to both understand politics and your ability to manipulate politics, really. So you need to have knowledge here of the political, regulatory, the legal systems that affect health um, and the process of making policy. And so some of that knowledge is very context specific, but Overall, I think understanding the way the political system works is super helpful in terms of policy making because you're going to understand what might be possible. Um, secondly, I think you need to have this kind of translational set of skills. So there are a lot of policy jobs where you have to monitor the political environment and then kind of translate it for an audience. So Either you might be within an organization and you're trying to understand on a day-to-day -day basis what's happening in a particular area of policy that really concerns you. And then maybe you're translating that for your bosses within the organization and um, trying to make use of that information to then go back to the political system and uh, ask for changes to policy or interpret policy in different ways uh, to politicians. So this kind of translational um, set of skills can be really important and then this idea that you also thirdly should have strategic skills so can you formulate strategies to create change so this is a the bigger picture set of skills most people can do advocacy on a day-to-day -day basis I think it takes a lot of commitment to do advocacy over multiple years, develop relationships, set a strategic direction and figure out how to change a system to your advantage. That to me is some higher level stuff. And so these political skills kind of are leading up to a, hopefully a better strategic understanding of how to get the political system to go where you want it to go. So the third category of skills 
is professional skills. And these professional skills will be a little bit more familiar to you because they're very common. Um, but I hope that they show you a little bit about the overlap between policy careers and management careers. There is so much commonality here and people I think quite often don't realize that. So the professional skills you need above all communication. You need to be able to connect with other people and communicate your intent clearly. So that really means a lot of relationship building. A lot of especially advocacy roles are really founded on your ability to build a warm relationship with someone else that you might not have anything in common with. So and can you build up that reputation over time and persist with that relationship? Can you present your views in a clear way? Can you do things like handle the media? Can you, you make your argument clearly enough that it could be broadcast without being misconstrued? And you do need to write well in a range of formats. I can't emphasize enough how much PowerPoint will not get you by. You have to be able to write essentially copy. So a news story, a blog post, a create some kind of infographic maybe or um, white paper, newsletter, one pager. A lot of this centers on the written word. And so your written communication is key. Secondly, you know what? You have to have a whole group of management skills. You've got to particularly be able to manage projects, keeping them on track quite often without a lot of collaboration with others. So within some of the smaller organizations in particular, you might be the only person working on that project. You might not be in a large team um, or you might be trying to manage a team of volunteers even or people who have some time commitment but aren't necessarily full time on the project. So those kinds of skills, managing other people, managing projects are incredibly important. Also, too, you have to understand how to develop an organization. So as an advocate, maybe as uh, a lobbyist, as someone who is in this kind of translational role, public facing role within an organization where you're dealing with policy, you have to think about your organization and where it is heading. So you have to understand, even if you're not doing fundraising, how to fundraise and how that works within your organization. You might well be in a position where you have to understand how to raise money from the federal government, from foundations in order to be able to do the work that you want to do. So that kind of management skill is really important. Finally, I do want to say you do need to cultivate some resilience. You might be working independently you might be working in a tough environment. So some of these roles do have lower pay and resources than other comparable roles in the private sector. The non-profit sector in particular is not very well paying. Um, and so you might be necessarily in a lower resource environment and on lower pay. You might also be dealing with some nasty politics. There's some a um, lot of disagreement in the country right now and globally. So you have to be upfront with yourself about that. Now, that doesn't mean you can't find meaning in your work and it can't be fulfilling. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. But you do have to be aware that some of these, these parts of the job will be tough. So let's talk about some common health policy roles. And this is where if you're following along with the slides, it'd be really helpful to look at the diagram, but I'll do my best to describe this in audio only. So 
I've put these roles in terms of a, a continuum between some jobs which are more analytical in nature and some jobs which are more political in nature, just to help you understand the wide diversity of opportunities that there are here. So on the analytical side, I would say the most analytical kind of role is a sort of academic role like the one that I do, uh, where you're working in a university maybe or in um, a university affiliated think tank or in a non-university affiliated think tank where you're, by think tank I mean uh, an organisation of people who work up policy ideas, do research on policy and try and fit the policy and evidence together. So you could be an academic in largely in a university setting where you are going to be doing a combination of teaching, research and service activities and that varies widely depending on the kind of college that you're at. Most of these academic roles will require a PhD. So if you're the kind of person who thinks, yes, I might take another step and go on to do a research degree, do come and see me because it's worth thinking carefully about where you end up and the environment that you're in um, before you take that step. Now, academic roles are very closely related to what I've called an analyst role and you could be an analyst outside government so in those think tanks that I mentioned um, and you could be an analyst in government even so you could be working for a government department and do the same kind of analytical research based things so in these analyst roles you're not necessarily taking on the full job of an academic so you probably aren't won't be teaching you won't have any students in that sense but um, you'll be doing much of the same research tasks that an academic would do. Um, and so you'll be managing pro research projects, formulating the design, carrying out the research and then packaging, analyzing and packaging the results for a particular audience. Then in the middle of my diagram, I've got government affairs. So government affairs can be carried out um, in two different ways. So you might be a government affairs person like a lobbyist or an advocate that works for an independent organization, probably a private sector organization, maybe a non-profit organization. And so as a government affairs person, it's your job to understand the political landscape and the policy landscape and understand what's happening at any particular time. And you're going to be informing your client so in an external government affairs role, your client will be maybe a private business, maybe a coalition of industry, maybe a bunch of hospitals, maybe a profession, uh, maybe a non-profit organization. But you'll be that external government affairs person who is brought in to inform a particular organization. So that's much closer to some kind of consulting, really. But you can also be a government affairs person in-house. So you do the same kinds of lobbying and advocacy. So formulating a strategy on behalf of your organization to interface with the policy sphere and political system. But you're doing it in-house as part of the organization. So that is really uh, a bit distinct because you're going to be working with the same organization all the time. Professional lobbyists tend to work on a per contract basis, so they might be working with one organization one day and one organization the other day. 
And so that will suit some people who really don't have very strong political views and don't necessarily want to represent one side over the other. If It won't necessarily suit everybody because some people would much rather work for a single organization with a viewpoint that matches their own. So we're, we're moving over towards the political side of things. And the next role I think is really important is that of a legislative staffer. So legislative staffers are work for members of the various legislatures in at the state level and um, nationally. And so those staff members are really specializing in a particular policy area. Now, you might be a legislative director on the one hand. Uh, one of our alums is a legislative director for Rashida Talib, And so it's been great to watch him do that work. Now, as a legislative director, you might be figuring out what pieces of legislation or policies your member is going to support and then figuring out a strategy to get those things passed. Uh, and so in that kind of a role, you really, really need good political communication and excellent uh, rapport with other people and be able to build those coalitions. You also need for this kind of role really expert knowledge of a particular set of policies and you might have to bear in mind that some legislative staffers cover very large policy briefs so you might not necessarily be working on the specific area of health policy that you really want to specialize in but you might have to deal with that frankly. So you could be a legislative director, you could be a legislative staffer with a particular policy brief um, and it's your job to represent your elected representative and manage their policy agenda. Now there are a couple of related roles here on the political side. Uh, the next one is being some kind of organiser. So here rather than representing a member of, of Congress or a legislature, you are actually having a very um, you're representing an organization and trying to bring people together, but you might have a much more public facing role. So here you might be uh, organizing on behalf of a trade union or a nonprofit uh, or a community based organization. And there your role is to try and bring together and inspire people, get them around the same agenda and get them committed to taking an action. And so, again, initiative is really important here your personal skills and your ability to form relationships with other people many of whom might be volunteers uh, might have very strong particular views about politics and policy you need to be able to navigate all of that and bring that together and unify people finally on this slide i've got health officials so this is the point at which you run for office uh, I want to say that nationally, we do not have enough people who are qualified and knowledgeable about public health uh, or even the health system in public office. We need you. We need younger people. We need more diverse candidates. And so if you've ever considered running for office, really think about whether there is a role for you um, alongside another career or as your main career as a, a public official. We really do need very good people who particularly understand the value of health uh, and the health sector. Okay, so these are my common health policy roles. So what should you do with all this information that I just blasted at you? Well, there's a couple of things that I think are just general tips for taking this forward. I think by this point, you might have had a reaction to the different jobs that I described. 
and think about either people you know or what you know about those kinds of roles and whether they would suit you or not. I think there's a couple of ways to explore that. I think, first of all, one of the most important things you can do for policy jobs is to network. I think even more so than managerial roles because you need to um, understand and how policy jobs get advertised. A lot of policy jobs are advertised, but they are generally on an ad hoc basis. With the management careers, there are some very structured um, opportunities like fellowships where it's guaranteed pretty much that they'll come up every year and we know the players. Whereas the health policy sector is just so much more diverse and we never know, especially in times of economic crisis, where the jobs are going to be. So networking is one of the best ways to try to figure that out. Um, but I've put on my slide, you need to network the fun way. So I really think that networking around things that you enjoy doing and the people and issues that you enjoy will really help you here. Like don't force yourself to trawl through LinkedIn endlessly. I think you should use LinkedIn and also you'll have access to HNET, which is our alumni database, which can be very helpful for figuring out careers. Um, but network the fun way, figure out what you enjoy and who is doing that work and try to reach out to them. There is nothing wrong with sending blind emails to people, trying to connect with them on LinkedIn and taking the initiative to try and do that and say, if you have two minutes, I'd love to hear from you uh, about how you do the things you do. Um, people notice that and I think it can be valuable. My second tip is to try to build up some specialization. You don't want to get too narrow, but I do recommend that you spend some time outside of class learning about the organizations and the policies in some specific policy areas that actually animate you. So if I were you, I would go and find if you let's say you have a really strong interest in um, trying to alleviate the issue of infant or maybe maternal mortality. And so maybe you want to figure out exactly who is working in that space. What advocacy organizations exist in that space? Which representatives actually champion these issues in your state, in your local area, nationally? Um, if you're into global health, which organizations and donor organizations are actually focusing on those issues? So understanding that landscape of organizations as well as the policy area specifically can really help you out. And the more you do that even in one area, the quicker you will be able to do that in any other future area of health policy. It is a learned skill figuring out these networks of organizations. And thirdly, I'd say do some volunteering of your time, but allocate your time wisely. So don't rush out and think in the first week of classes that you have to do 10 different extracurricular things. I think you should pick a couple of things that you enjoy that actually speak to you and that balance out your academic work and finding that work that is meaningful to you and then figuring out from that, okay, I did that meaningful work, I did that networking, I understood this policy area, but then 
going back to skills, what skills have I demonstrated by doing that voluntary work? So I really think that um, the emphasis on cross-sectional, uh, cross-disciplinary, um, cross-domain skills is going to serve you really well here. If you can say, here's what I did and it is an example of me using my communication skills well or building up relationships or inspiring people or crunching data uh, or understanding navigating the political system. So ultimately, I think do what you enjoy and that things that will bring you meaning to some extent, but then also be smart about that and draw out the cross jurisdictional skills that will then apply in the context of applying to a future employer. All right, that's all my pearls of wisdom for now, but uh, please do come and find me. Uh, you can email me if uh, you would like to have an appointment. I have regular office hours which are open to anybody during the fall semester. So come and find me if you're uh, in need of some extra advice. But otherwise, if you look on my PowerPoint, you'll find there's a list of nice resources to get you going and then hopefully that will start you off in your policy search. Um, so I really hope that you, this was useful to you. Thank you for listening. And um, I hopefully will get to talk to many more of you in the near future. Bye for now. This has been a podcast from the University of Michigan Health Management and Policy Governance Lab. If you're interested in our research, you can find more podcasts and blog posts at our website, www.hmpgovernancelab.org. And you can follow us on Twitter at HMPGovLab.